need strength and encouragement today? Well, if so, grab your copy of God's Word and meet me in Psalm 103. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus as we continue our wonderful journey through the Bible. Now, in just a minute, we're going to begin our study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee, but first, here's a couple of letters sent by those who sit around us on the Bible bus. Charles, who responded to a post on our Facebook page, says this, I thank God for his word and for welcoming prodigals home. Throughout my relationship with him over the years, there have been times when I have wandered and put some distance between us. Of course, this is the work of Satan getting in between our relationship, but praise God, he knows how to influence us and causes us to remember, repent, and return as he brings us back to his side. Remember, repent, and return. I love that. Thanks for your note, Charles. Next, we got an email. This is from Peggy. Every morning I wake up to focus on the World Prayer Team. It's a wonderful time to listen to a program that is such an inspiration to so many. Thank God for the loving effort of so many who continue this work. He has blessed this ministry, and I am so grateful. I've been on the Bible bus for eight years now and love the encouragement and blessing from the Word of Life that so many have access to daily. The letters and conversation from Stephen Gregg on progress and challenges of the work are enlightening and help all on the Bible bus pray more effectively. We have a son in Germany, and I hope that he might tune in and listen. He's a pianist in Berlin and needs the Lord. My husband and I continue to pray for him. Well, thanks for your letter, Peggy, and for your faithful prayers for your son. I know what that's like. If you'd like to join Peggy, me, and thousands of other listeners as we pray God's whole word reaches the whole world, including those in our own neighborhoods and families, sign up for our world prayer team at ttb.org forward slash pray. And now let's do that together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather as your children and study your word. Would you help us to see Jesus today and then teach us through the Psalms how we can be more like him. For it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Here's our study of Psalm 103 through 106 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we come to another very remarkable psalm, Psalm 103. This is the psalm that Gustavus Adolphus, when he entered Augsburg in victory after he'd had the victory at Leipzig, this is the psalm that he had read at that particular time. And this psalm here, it looks on to a new day, actually even beyond the millennium into eternity. And it will find the fullness of fulfillment then. Now, the nation Israel in the past has turned to this psalm, and the godly Israelite today turns to this psalm. And in the future, he'll turn to this psalm. And the church and individual believers find in it a real source of strength and light. It is a psalm of praise and of thanksgiving for things and praise for a person, and that person is Christ. I suppose it was sung as an antiphony. It was sort of a solo to begin with and then... It ended with a symphony of universal praise. And I've divided the psalm like this. You have in the first two verses an admonition for the present. And in verses 3 through 9, a declaration concerning Jehovah. And then in verses 10 through 16, a declaration concerning man. And then verses 17 through 22, proclamation for the future. 
Now, will you notice this very first? It's an admonition for the present. And notice how personal it is. Twice it's used here in these first two verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's the word, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And the polychrome Bible translated that, all that is deepest within me. And this is a psalm that gets way down where we live. And it reveals something, actually, to my own heart here. Well, it's a psalm that we're to praise him, we're to glorify him. And yet, when I come to this psalm, I recognize that I just can't quite make it. (laughs) I do the best I can, and my soul goes out to him, but not like it should. And friends, there's a real danger today. And I would put up a warning sign that there is a danger of going to church, going through a ritual, and it absolutely be nothing in the world but just parroting pious platitudes. This is the thing that God warned his people about in Isaiah 29:13. The people draw me with their mouth and their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of man. It's nothing in the world but just lip worship. There's absolutely no submission to God's Word and God's demands, but following just the precepts of man. And we have it today not only as we turn to Judaism. Why, my friend, if we turn to Romanism, it's very easy for us Protestants today to point our finger and say, just look how dead their religion is. By the way, friend, how dead is your church and how dead is your worship? And that's the thing that troubles my own heart. Oh, my soul, if I could just only lift a praise that would be pure and from the depths of my heart. That is the thing that we long for. There's a lot of chanting today in ritualism. It's easy to say that modernism rejects all the great truths, but do we just go to church and mouth these things and it can be said of us, their heart is removed from me? All that's within me, praise his holy name. You know, the flesh can't do this. May I make a confession to you? You won't tell anybody, will you? Let's just keep this to ourselves. But you know, I can't worship him as I'd like to worship him. And you know why? This old nature, this old flesh I got just can't rise to that level. And it's only by the Holy Spirit that you and I can worship him today in spirit and in truth and forget not all his benefits. (laughs) He's been so good to us as we look back over the past. How wonderful this psalm is. 
Now he begins to move out here, and we have a declaration concerning Jehovah our God. And it's in his relationship to man, of course. Notice this, "...who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases." Now, I'm of the opinion here, and I find I disagree with many people here, this speaks of the kingdom age, way out yonder, as we said at the beginning, even in eternity. And I'd be very frank to say that this refers to physical disease as well as spiritual disease. And he's made it very clear that in the kingdom age, what he would do, he says, and the inhabitant shall not say, I'm sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. And that's Isaiah 33, 24. May I say to you, my friend, I hear people say, well, many of these faith healers today, they emphasize salvation. I don't think they emphasize it. They put it on like a caboose to a healing service. I've never been to them. But those that go tell me that at the end, they always give an invitation to accept Christ. My friend, there can be no healing until your sins are forgiven. Disease is the result of sin. And the sin question must be settled first of all. He was delivered actually for our offenses. He was raised for our justification. And until that takes place, then I personally do not think that there is that forgiveness that we hear so much about today. And I believe that is the thing that Peter was talking about when he quoted from Isaiah 53 in 1 Peter 2. He says, "...who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins..." might live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Healed of what? Your sins, my friend. That is the important thing, the all-important thing. Now, as you move down into this, he says, "...who redeemeth thy life from destruction." And by the way, before we move away from that, we ought to recognize the fact that many of God's choicest servants have been sick and never been healed in this life, not even up to their dying day. Paul the apostle was one. And if anyone should have claimed healing, seems to me like he should have. But he had a thorn in his flesh, which apparently was eye trouble. Fanny Crosby, sick to her dying day. And John Milton, that great singer of paradise lost and paradise regained. He was a man who's blind. Helen Keller. What about these, friends? You mean to tell me today you have the audacity to say that you can claim healing and there's something wrong with you if you don't have it? It's wonderful if you get healing, but let's understand one thing. God's choicest servants never have experienced that at all. Now, this is a very wonderful section that deals with our God. And we're told here, He satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. I was very much amused at seeing a faith healer on TV. I was shocked. 
pictures I'd seen, she looked like a high school girl. What I saw on TV was not a high school girl. He had not renewed thy youth. And my friends, that'll take place in the millennium. In fact, I got a new body coming to me. Don't have it yet. I'm going to get it someday. Now, will you listen to this? The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. That's verse 6. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. You see, God made his way known to Moses. But all that the children of Israel saw, they just saw the miracle. They didn't understand. There are a lot of folk like that today in the church. They recognize certain truths, but they don't enter into the way of God, of how important that is. And the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. And mercy is what we need today. We need that above everything else. Now, will you notice we have now here a declaration concerning man. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. Now, notice verse 10. He hath not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Now, my friend, if God would deal with you according to your sins and according to your iniquities, none of us would be saved. Now he says, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. You see, it's his mercies today that are so important. And we need to recognize that, that it's by his mercy. And then he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now, he didn't say as far as the north is from the south. That would be pretty far from the North Pole to the South Pole. But when you start moving from east to west, there's no end to the east and there's no end to the west. You just keep going and it's east. And you're going east all the time. When you go west, you'll be going west all the time. But you see, when you go north, you get to a place where you start going south. But when you start going east, you never stop. And that's as far as he's removed our transgressions from us. And as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. God is so good, and we do not seem to recognize it. Now, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Dr. George Gill used to put it like this. He says that God remembers that we are dust. He says we forget it. And when dust gets stuck on itself, it's mud. And that's the picture of man. As for man, his days are like grass. As the flower of the field, so he flourisheth. You won't be here very long, friends. Somebody said to me the other day, said, I notice you're getting a little gray. And I said, yes. Well, I said, you know, I notice you are too. And I said, you know what God's trying to tell us? When God puts gray in your hair, he's saying you're not going to be here much longer. When you get the arthritis and you have trouble getting up of the morning, that's a warning from God. God says, you won't be here very much longer. You need to get things straightened out. Now we begin to look to the future. And what are we going to have in the future? But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him and his righteousness under children's children.
it is a wonderful, wonderful thing to look down into the future and to know that God will always be merciful to us. How wonderful it is. And that is something that we need to recognize. Now let me just lift out the last verse here. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now we have what has been called a psalm of nature, or as the New Schofield Reference Bible has it, praise to the God of creation. And actually, you can see all the days of creation here. For instance, you begin, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Now, we're talking now about the God of creation, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain. Now, on the first day, you remember, he said, let there be light. And there was light. That was the first day. And here you have, thou coverest thyself with light as a garment. Now, we're told here that on the second day, day of creation, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. That is, he put waters up above us and waters below. And you have this here today, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain, or just like you stretch a tent in that day, why they would arrive at a certain place, a camel caravan, and then they would put out their tent, stretch it out. Well, that's the way God has stretched out the heavens. And when he did, why, there's a layer of water above us. And every now and then it comes down pretty fast. Verse 3, "...who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, and maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind." And here is a very wonderful picture of the second day. Now, we have also the third day here. And I think I'll just move right along into this wonderful psalm of creation. And as we do, we come here to this third day. Now, notice he says in verse 5, "...who laid the foundations of the earth, that it should not be moved forever. Thou coverest it with deep as with the garment. The waters stood above the mountains." This is a reference, many believe, to the flood also. But you'll remember that here on the third day, he divided the waters that were under the heavens. See, he put water above the clouds that go over, carry quite a bit of water. And then beneath, why, he now divides the land and the waters. This is a praise to God for his creation, you see. Here, the land and the sea. Now, what did he do on the fourth day? Now, he didn't create the sun and the moon. He just said, let there be lights and firmament. And now they are to regulate time here on this earth. And you have in verse 19 of the psalm, he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth it's going down. Now, even all peoples have learned that. Over here in Arizona, they have the ruins of an Indian building. And in it, there are two holes made in the wall. And they couldn't figure out what that was. Then they found out that at the time to plant corn, you can look through both of those. 
and see the moon. When you could see the moon through both of them, time to plant corn. You see, God gave the moon actually for seasons. He says that here. And the sun knoweth it's going down. All of this moves according to schedule. Don't tell me we're in a universe that is meaningless today. Now, what did God do on the fifth day? Well, that was the day animal life appeared and everything that's in the ocean. It's alive, you see, with life. Verse 25, now, so is this great and wide sea wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships and so on. Now, this is a wonderful picture. Well, what about man? Let me read now, beginning of verse 30. Thou sendest forth thy spirit. They are created. Thou renewest the face of the earth. Man now is going to be put on the earth. It's ready for him. His home is ready for him. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. God looked upon it was good. He looked on the earth, and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills, and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I'll sing praise to my God while I have my being. Man's on the earth, created to praise God. He's been put on the earth, and he's given an address. He lives at number one, Garden of Eden. That's where he lives. And now will you notice verse 34? My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. But what happened? Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth. Let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord. O my soul, praise ye the Lord. Man's sin. What's God going to do? He's going to get them off the earth, friends. Unless you're willing to turn to Christ, I can assure you one thing. This earth won't be your permanent dwelling place. God will remove you to another place, and it has another address, by the way. Now, in Psalm 105 and 106, you have two historic psalms. I'm confident that David wrote Psalm 105 because the first part of this psalm is the same as 1 Chronicles 16, 8 through 22, and that's when David brought up the ark into Jerusalem. And here you have a recitation of their history. And it begins, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. And remember his marvelous works, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. And he goes back and begins with the seed of Abraham and the covenant God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then he follows them through Joseph down into the land of Egypt. And verse 23, Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. Verse 26, he sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. And then here's something quite interesting, verse 38 Egypt was glad when they departed. They sure were. They was glad to get them out of their hair, by the way, after the plagues. And God brought them into the land, recites their history, and that's something to praise about. My friend, there's something wrong with you if you can't look back in your life and have something to thank God for. And the 106th Psalm is a long one, 
but another historic psalm that ends this number section, follows them through the wilderness. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his good, his mercy endureth forever. And then there's that confession of sin, verse 6. We have sinned with our fathers. We've committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. And friends, when you look back over your life, you not only have something to thank God for, but you can thank him for your salvation. He has forgiven you your sin if you have turned to Jesus Christ as your Savior. Say, these psalms are marvelous, are they not? We ought to get saturated with him. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Have you turned to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? You know you can find out more about that important decision at ttb.org when you click on How Can I Know God? Or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE and we'll send a few resources to you by mail. Dr. McGee has more valuable insights to share with us from the Book of Psalms next time. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll be here saving a seat on the Bible bus just for you. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.